On the Healthy Human Revolution podcast, Dr. Lori Marbus interviews nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests whose informative and inspiring stories will empower you with the knowledge to transform your life and health. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus. And today, oh my goodness, guys, it's a really special treat for you. And you can tell I'm a little bit excited, been looking forward to this for some time is uh, to welcome Rip Esselstyn. So thank you for joining me. Yeah, Lori, you were very persistent. You were very <laughs> persistent in getting me to come on the podcast. And so I finally relented. Okay. <laughs> I, it's yes, yes. You know, I don't, I'm sure you don't remember, but I went to the plant stock. I think it was the last year you had it at the farm. Mm. And Anthony and I actually got up on stage with you and there was like, so I got pictures, people were texting me. I put it in Facebook. Anyway, that was quite a delay. That was our highlight of one of the highlights of the trip. And then seeing the ore, your dad's ore in your living room yeah, um, yeah. in the farmhouse. There's some cool stuff, but there's yeah. so much here to dive into <laughs> with you. Um, and I'm sure everyone knows who you are, especially with your family. But it was really interesting as I was diving into your history. I mean, I understood that your mom came from the Kryle, she always says Anne Kryle Esselstyn. What I didn't understand was your great-grandfather was co-founder of the Cleveland Clinic. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> Isn't that crazy? I know. Um, yeah, his George Washington Kryle and um, just an amazing human being, although I never got to meet him, uh, but grew up on a farm in Chile, Ohio. And when he was eight years old, he had such an insatiable thirst for knowledge and reading that he would plow the fields kind of with one arm and then have a book in his hand with the other. Right. And he got the first like Britannica encyclopedia, you know, in his neighborhood and everybody came over to look at it. He, when he was 18, he graduated from college just brilliant man and then started doing you know medical medical school and and all that and this is in the late 1800s before they had you know people that donated their bodies for you know their cadavers for for science so he would go with his partner and they would dig up the freshly buried people and use them as cadavers and he writes about this and he's got a, a, a two volume uh, auto autobiography set. Um, but, you know, he was the first human being to perform a successful blood transfusion from one human being to another. And uh, obviously founded the Cleveland Clinic, founded the American Red Cross. Um, you know, it was the inventor of all kinds of instruments and tools. I recently was reading that Einstein was absolutely so enamored with him that he requested a private meeting with um, with my great grandfather, and they spent like all night on a train somewhere just talking about their different theories on on life. Um, but yes, so he was a remarkable man, and yeah, as you said, founder of the Cleveland Clinic in 1921. Wow, to be a fly on the wall between your great grandfather <laughs> and Einstein. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so the genetics that run through you is 
uh, literally astounding. And so, but then there's your grandfather who who also had really interesting personality of saying, no, this isn't the right way to mm-hmm. do for certain procedures. And so I, I feel like there's a rebellious streak that runs through you plus your dad. So it's like, no, this isn't the right thing just because you it's been the way it is. No, I know they are, they are truth seekers. They're scientists. Um, you know, my great grandfather and my grandfather were staunch um, atheists, right? Wow. Um, oh yeah. And, um, but, but they knew the Bible better than anybody because they loved to argue. That was their favorite thing to argue. Right. So, um, but yeah, to the core, they were, they were scientists. Um, and, uh, but my grandfather, yeah, he was, he brought the partial mastectomy to America in the, I want to say the 1960s over from, from Britain. And, you know, he was called a, a quack and, you know, the other surgeons thought he was actually absolutely lost his marbles because the, at, at the time, the, the prevalent uh, procedure was the radical mastectomy, which, you know, today is the lumpectomy or the partial uh, is what is kind of preferred in almost all cases. So um, that kind of has borne out. But there's a lot of people that say that he was the savior of the American breast, um, George uh, Barney Crile. Um, but yeah, I think he learned, he learned from his father and my father, I think learned a lot from Barney and, and just how Barney was like, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to do what I think is right. right. And my father, I think embraced that. And that's, I think one of the things that gave him the strength to do his research, you know, which he started in 1984 at the Cleveland clinic to show you could prevent and reverse heart disease in and he was god he was going up up he was going upstream against so many different um forces but he held he held tight mm. no your dad is one of the, the the people i respect the most in this world and i and i mean that on a personal level not just a professional level um yeah. just absolutely if there are people you could adore and want to emulate it would be your folks and so I, I, I want to say thank you for, you know, continuing carrying the torch into the next generation. The, it's Those are some hard, you know, shoes to follow, <laughs> Phil. And uh, it's just, it's astounding to me to have that type of family history and then to see what everything that you're doing. So kind of moving into the Rip Esselstyn life, of course, you know, the synopsis is you were the fire engine guy and then you, you know, one of your colleagues had high cholesterol and yeah. things just called and evolved from there. Could you just kind of take us back to that engine two day when you guys are sitting around? Yeah. <laughs> I was in the military. I get the whole competition. There's a lot of testosterone. You get pulled into it as a, as a competitive girl too. So I get that. So can you just kind of uh-huh. share with us what that's I'd, like? I'd love to. <laughs> um, yeah. So during the downtime at the fire station, we we would just do all kinds of crazy stuff like, Oh, you know, who's the best on the ping pong table. And then we had, a, we had a basketball net in the parking lot. And so we, you know, we'd see who could think, sink the most three throws in a row uh, who can do the most pull-ups who can go up the pole, the fire pole without their legs. One day we had this, did this really stupid thing to see who could drink a gallon of water in 10 minutes. And that's a mistake. You don't ever want to try that. It, it'll make mm-hmm. you, 
thank goodness we didn't sodium issue <laughs> oh my god and thank goodness we didn't get a a, a call shortly thereafter because oh, wow. we were all just like oh my gosh um and uh and then we just somehow another one evening we were sitting out on the porch and we just were like i'm the healthiest no i'm the healthiest no i'm the healthiest <laughs> so we're like well let's go see let's actually test it let's get our cholesterols tested and so the next morning we drove down to a pharmacy we all got pricked and uh and a guy that i've been really a firefighter with for six years his name was jr his cholesterol came back and it was 344 milligrams per deciliter at the age of 33 and you know up until that point we do have an annual physical and so we all get our cholesterol levels checked and you know a full lipid panel and his had been maybe the highest he'd ever seen was 280 so 330 344 was like off the charts high and that's when he told us wow you know my my dad had triple bypass at 51. His father died before the age of 50. His father died before the age of 50. And so that's when we decided that we would, as a group of brothers that loved and cared about each other, and really the ultimate team, that we would uh, all eat this way to support JR. That's so awesome. That, yeah. Now, I am curious because I know she had these amazing results, which it's kind of, you know, par for the course. And is he still plant-based to this day? So yeah, no. So JR, I mean, yes. So his results, he lost 14 pounds, you know, acid reflux went away, any kind of, you know, constipation, sleeping better, his cholesterol dropped to 198 in 28 days. Um, and I haven't seen JR in several years, but I, you know, I hear reports that JR is doing very well. He's certainly not perfect, right? But the JR is doing, uh, doing well. Okay, so, he lived past 51. <laughs> <laughs> let me think for a sec. You know, because JR, I am 59 and JR, I think was eight years younger than I am. So he's probably 52. Right around there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's that speaks volumes. My dad had his first heart attack at 38. My mom's dad died at 46. So I get the concern. Oh my not, God. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's a, there's just some fun stuff. But, you know, it's uh, so as you led this into, you did this wonderful thing, and then there's media uh, that happens. What, what was that like? You're just leading your life, doing <laughs> no, thing. No. I can't yeah. even fathom. <laughs> no, it's right. I mean, yeah, I, I wasn't asking for any of this, right? <laughs> it, it just kind of snowballed and happened. But the first thing that happened is the um, the local paper did an article called Tofu Up Muscles Red Meat at Firehouse 2. And then that led to um, a bunch of other uh, newspapers across the country kind of picking it up in the, in the, in the AP, the Associated Press. And then that led to a bunch of radio interviews, which led to NPR, wow. National Public Radio, calling to see if they could do a national broadcast about us during Thanksgiving um, weekend. And this was in November of 2006. And then a couple months later, I think it was April of 2000. No, 
that was 2005 when NPR did their did their broadcast. Uh, in 2006 of April, uh, the New York Times came wow. came knocking on our door, and they did a article that was on the front of the Metro section called um, uh, what was it called? Uh, Austin, something like firefighters gone vegan even austin is impressed um and uh and that's what just led to a avalanche of publicists and literary agents reaching out to me to see if i'd be interested in in writing a book about you know the escapades and all the fun that we were having at fire station to the most unlikely place imaginable to be living this plant strong lifestyle in the heart of Texas, having trained at Texas Tech, yeah, I get it. That is a whole nother, it's just a different world. They look at you strange. And this was early on. I mean, I thought it was hard when I switched 10 years ago. You, you've been eating this way since mid, mid-80s, I'm guessing? Well, I so I started eating this way in 1987. 87, okay. So, yeah, wow. I graduated from UT. And once I was off the athletic training table, there was, you know, steaks and burgers and you know, chicken breasts and soft serve ice cream, and apple pies, and, you know, a joke of a salad. Yes, I immediately started eating this way because I had been exposed to my father mm. and his research that had been ongoing now for three and a half years. And he was in his 50s then when he switched over, right? So it was 19, it was 1984. So my father was 51. 51. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so getting back to that. So you competed in, uh, in college at UTU in swimming and was the backstroke your, your specialty or did you have others as well? Yeah. Yeah. I went, I, you're exactly right. I competed at UT, uh, all four years. Um, I was primarily a backstroker, but I could pull out a really good hundred freestyle on the 400 freestyle relay. Mm, Um, and then occasionally I could rip off a pretty good 200 IM. Um, but yes, backstroke was my specialty. That's hard. So all my kids, you know, when the, my youngest Gabriel was three, he decided to jump in a swimming pool one day when none of us were really paying attention. I wasn't even in the was it a hotel. My brother-in-law saved him. And as soon as we got back home, we were, I'd been gone to Disneyland. I said, all of you were going to learn to swim and be unsinkable. <laughs> and that led to years of swimming and club swimming in Virginia and Texas and so I spent many, 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 many hours and days and months on the deck, <laughs> swimming, coaching, you doing the timing, <laughs> you name it. So the IM is really hard. It's like, mm. yeah, that's mm. a really. That's I think, I think of all, of all the strokes, or I should say the events, the IM is, it's the most difficult because you have to transition from one stroke to the next, to the next. And yeah. um, invariably, usually every swimmer has one stroke that they're weak in. Mm. and uh and so the i am really has a way of zero zeroing in on your weaknesses and really magnifying them especially when you're in a race and you're tired um so (laughs) that's one you know it's one of the things that made michael phelps so great i mean he really he almost did not have a weakness i mean at one point he was the best butterflyer backstroker and freestyler in the world and he was almost one of the top 10 in the in the world in the hundred uh, and 200 meter breaststroke. I mean, Amazing. yeah. Well, and then just the transition, right? Because there's specific rules and forms in the transition between each of the different strokes. And that's right. That's right. The way you got to touch the wall. Oh and, yeah. 
what you're allowed and, and not to do as far as butterfly kicks and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That springs back a lot of memory. <laughs> I never was in the water, but I certainly watched a plenty, but I did them well. I mean, I feel like that's discipline. Um, I mean, what are the lessons you feel your kids or kids could learn by even just playing in sports and then growing up in this athletic family, too? Because, right, your sister swam or yeah, assuming, no, yeah. <laughs> the everybody. Whole family. The whole family. Dad's a rower in the Olympics. I mean, geez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and my kids are are swimming now. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, I did. I, you know, it just it's. Um, I love you. You learn a certain work ethic. You learn accountability. You learn. Um, you learn how to deal with other people in a really what I think is a very positive environment which is working out. You have a coach that's on the deck that's giving the workouts. You're always looking to improve. And so what can I do to improve? What are the different refinements that I can make? Um, so, that, I mean, to me, there's just so many things about, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's swimming, biking, running, you know, playing the trombone, the, the, the violin, the piano, that <clears throat> if you sink yourself into it, you... Um, you're learning a discipline. And to me, there's so much value in, in that that then spills over into everything else that you do in life. Which speaks to the next, and we kind of jumped around a little bit, but college and swimming and success there, but then you go into triathlons. So what led you down that path? What made you decide to become a professional triathlete? That's, that's, that's again, you chose a really hard sport but you the swimming I think is by far the the toughest for most people to do if they're new to it but so you already had that foundation I did you know um I was scared like you would not believe of getting just a normal nine to five job it just um it pained me to the core hmm. and so that's why um when I was young and youthful and, you know, I was single and I really didn't care about money that I was like, I'm going to just pursue this dream of mine to swim, bike and run. And I I'd seen this guy, Scott Tinley, who was one of the best back in the eighties cross the finish line of this one triathlon. And, and a friend of mine asked me to be his pit crew. I'd never seen a triathlon before. So I watched these people take off. They swam, they came in, they, they did the transition they went out on the bike and they came out an hour later and then put on their running shoes and they went for a run. And I saw this guy, Scott Tinley come in just looking like a stallion and just shredded. And I was like, man, <clears throat> I like this. Right. <laughs> and I, I've always yeah. liked the black and whiteness of competition. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've never been a fan of, um, just, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and <clears throat> everything that's involved with that. So, um, yeah, so I tried my hand at triathlon and I ended up doing that for really full time for 10 years and then continuing it for another 10 years while I was a firefighter at a world-class level in um, the sport of Xterra triathlons, which are mm -hmm. kind of the off-road triathlon mm -hmm. where you mountain bike and you, you run on trails. Um, and then you do these loop swims instead of just like a out and back swim. Have you done any in Colorado? Cause there's some really interesting courses here. Um, 
I don't know if I have. <laughs> yes, there's some beauty. It's beautiful, right? But you're also at elevation, and yeah, it's fun. My husband did his first full Ironman at 49, and then he he would play around with some of the exterity. So he's dragging me out places. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's some really cool stuff. Um, I I I applaud anyone who's willing to sit on a bike for that long. I just don't think calluses should be formed in those places. So I'd <laughs> right, rather right. run or walk. <laughs> That, I, I struggle with that. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's funny and, and having done, you know, triathlons really for almost 20 years um, and having done two Ironman triathlons, my specialty was really the international distance. So mm -hmm. it was um, the shorter two hour event. I just find that the full blown Ironman, I don't know why it's called the Ironman. It should be called the Iron Woman. <laughs> but the, the iron person triathlon mm -hmm. is just excessive it's too much it's oh, I, I don't man. think it's i don't think it's healthy you know you're you're either getting injured or you're overtrained or you're getting sick or you're waking up at 4 a.m to get your you know four hour bike in you're neglecting your loved ones your family uh it, it just kind of becomes all consuming so that's actually one of the reasons why too, I never wanted to excel at that distance. Cause I knew that the training that was involved was just like over the top. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. so my, my word, anybody that's out there, just do a, do a nice Olympic distance one. And you're out there for two hours, two and a half, and you don't have to train forever. You can just train, you know, a, a moderate amount. Or if you, that's not enough for you do it, do a half Ironman, but mm -hmm. the full length ones, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, if you got to do it once, all right, I get it, but mm -hmm. wow. I don't get it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's a, I'm adverse to a lot of pain. I can handle pain, but I'm not a lot of pain, but you know, I, you know, I, we did our first uh, marathon in 2012 and that did take a lot of, I mean, my kids were still at home. I'm like, doc, that is that alone, just that one sport. I was like, goodness, I'm always doing this because I don't want to not be able to finish. <laughs> yeah. There was a strong possibility of that. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right. The three sports and then the blocks and the different, the, I, it's a lot. I have some of my patients who are, are very elite, uh, very doing very well. And they're one of them's a diabetic and, you know, other issues, one's older female. And, and it's just, I'm just what they're doing to their bodies and me trying to help figure them out. Oh, goodness gracious. It's a lot. It is a whole <laughs> You know, it is a lot, but I will say what, one of the things that I adore about triathlons, I mean, there's lots is mm -hmm. you never get bored of the training because if you get tired of swimming, mm -hmm. you, you know, you bike and if you get tired of biking, you run. And so the, 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 there's a certain beauty in, in the balance of trying to figure out the three different disciplines that make up the triathlon and trying to become really proficient in each one of them. Um, so I, I did love that trying to become the best runner I could be the best biker and swimmer, and then figuring out how to put them all together. I think this really just speaks to you and of you as your person and who you emanate anyway, um, is just digging in and doing the best you can with what you're given and, and mm -hmm. conquering the next challenge, which I kind of want to move in towards your family. Um, oh, really? I, I thought we talked about triathlon for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> dude, dude, no, no, no. For me, being a parent has been yeah. by far the most difficult thing in my life besides birthing them. 
you know, raising them and then adulting, you know, parent adults. Yeah. It's like, ay, ay, ay. Um, so how old are your little, your, your kiddos? So I've got three kids. I've got my youngest daughter is seven. Aww. Her name's Hope. Aww, I <laughs> love then, that. Yeah, we do too. Although she is so fiery. And then Sophie, <laughs> who's 12. And Aww. then Cole, who's 14. Oh, man. that's the, Those are great ages. Most of the time, they probably still think you know something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seven. Oh, gosh. And so you have two girls and a boy. Yes. The opposite of me, a boy and two girl or a girl and two boys. Um, what do you think? You tell me. I I'm sure, you know, uh doing the next big project we'll get to here at your plant strong food line and everything else you're doing there, which is incredible. What about your kids? Tell me what how did that change you as a human being? Because it made me grow up real fast. <laughs> well, you you had children when you were much younger than I was. <laughs> I will say I'm I feel really glad that I, I mean, I didn't get married until I was almost 44. Oh, wow. Right. So I got married really late. Um, I knew that it would take a special woman and luckily I found her. Um, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, it has been, it has been remarkable. All of a sudden it just, you know, anybody that has children knows what I'm saying here, but it, your priorities, literally they shift overnight to, you know, you're not worrying about yourself. Now it's really all about the, the, the child or the, the children. And, you know, I mean, our lives right now, as soon as I'm done here, I'm going and I'm picking up my daughter from school and, you know, then I'm going home, I'm taking my son to swim practice, and then we're figuring out what we're going to do this evening. So it's just all about the kids and I love it. I yeah. love it right? Yes. Um, it's, it's nice. It's nice not just being self-consumed with yourself. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'll tell you, I, I, for me, like my daughter's a doctor now. She's in her residency in Boston at Tufts. One of the smartest people I know. I'm like, you know, my husband and I are always in awe of how amazing our kids we were yeah. blessed to have, which we'll get to in a second. <laughs> I want to get back to that rich role conversation you had yeah. here in a second. I'm like, why my children would pick me as their friends, I have no idea. But mm. anyway, <laughs> I just want to get that. Tell me a little bit, or maybe give some advice to these parents who are like, I have kids here and we're trying to go plant-based. Mm. Yours have been that, I'm assuming that way since birth. Like, what did you get married? Was your wife plant-based? Like, what was that transition? Because um, it's not easy sometimes. Yeah, no, within, my wife is from Wisconsin. So, you know, <laughs> oh, man. the cheese state. Um, but she never really loved it and so within three months and this is back when i was a firefighter when we met in 2002 um and i was i did all the cooking she loved it she was starting a school for under under uh, privileged um children and so she was just you know maxed out and and she loved all the food that i was preparing you know the rice the beans the sweet potatoes the the steamed, uh, the steamed kale, the big salads, the, the oatmeal, the steel cut oats. Um, she adored it. And so literally within three months, she's like, I'm in I'm like, I love this. Right. Awesome. And, and she, now it's like, she can't stand the smell of, of cheese or mm. meat or anything like that. It's, it's, she finds it just absolutely revolting. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, she I means she did all three pregnancies completely plant-based all all were actually 
um, delivered here in this house, right wow. here in the bedroom here. We had midwife, two different midwives and um, all the births were fantastic. Um, and all the kids have been 100% plant-based. You know, they're not, I'm going to say they're not perfect in that they may go to a birthday party and they may have some cake, right? Or ice cream. And, um, you know, it is what it is. They may go trick-or-treating and come back with a big old bag of candy. And we're like, listen, guys, pick five of your favorite. And then we're going to give the rest to like the dentists. Uh, so they can <laughs> the be with, with the dentist's <laughs> office. Um, but they, they take great pride in being plant strong. Mm. And I think that they really, they respect and they admire what, what I do, how I'm trying to help people prevent um, disease. It's really, it's really wild when, you know, you hear your children, sometimes when you're not, when they don't know you're listening, talk about why they're plant-based or plant-strong. And, you know, it's not nice to eat animals and what it does to the environment and heart attacks. And, you know, my sister, uh, my sister, my daughter, uh, the 12 year old was having to defend herself one day against these, this attack that she was getting from multiple girls about not getting enough protein. Oh, wow. And she was trying to say, well, there's, listen, there's more protein in broccoli than there is steak. And, um, she held tight, but when she got home, she was in tears just because she felt so, you know, ganged mm -hmm. up on Defeated. with it all. Yeah. Um, but, um, they have no desire to try, <clears throat> you know, meat, flesh, um, and, uh, and they love everything they eat, you know, from the pancakes, the waffles, the, uh, the uh, two of them love oatmeal. One of them doesn't like oatmeal, but the, <laughs> the oatmeal, the, the cheeseless pizzas, I will say the kids, they do, um, do some diet cheeses sometimes on their pizzas. When we make, when we make our own pizzas using the plant strong pizza crust, um, they love tofu, eat a lot of tofu, let a lot of, um, edamame potatoes, rice and beans um two of them love you know kale and uh and <clears throat> just different green leafy vegetables one of them's you know not into the greens yet but <laughs> what i what i have found especially like with my brother who's got kids that are much older than my kids is that they were very picky when they're up until like late teens and now they adore everything so it's almost like your palate you know, you get a little bit older and as you mature, your palate matures. And I think that um, you grow to appreciate just absolutely every color and texture and taste that's out there in this amazing plant-based world. No, I think you're exactly right. Um, my kids weren't so much picky because I kind of didn't have time to feed them, you know, short order cook stuff with kids and all that. But uh, they... We ate what was in front of them. And now they're, I don't think any of them, well, Jonathan, even now he's at, he's almost 26. He's like, just doesn't quite like the creamy soups, but he'll eat anything else. He's <laughs> like, I'll make a butternut squash. He's like, yeah, mom, nothing. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Yeah. Um, but that's awesome. You're, it's just so fun to hear, you know, kids eating, you know, bell peppers and things that, you know, most little kids will never even know. I, I didn't mm. have tofu till I was 
much, much older, you know, 40. And uh, it's been interesting to be tell patients switch over. It's like, I've never heard of that. or I've never tried that. I was like, oh, yeah. well, your, your taste buds are about to explode. This is really cool. So yeah, like last night we were snacking. Um, they, they, we love apples. And so we cut up the apples and then they like a little dish of peanut butter and they, you know, put a little bit of the peanut butter on their, uh, on their apple slices. We will literally, we'll go and we'll get like 12, uh, champagne mangoes, the little, little yellow ones. Uh -huh. And our family will devour 12 of those for dessert after one dinner. We oh, just I go to town. <laughs> uh, I lived in Florida working for a little bit uh, and uh, with Dr. Furman uh -huh. and uh, mango season down in Florida. Uh -huh. It was, there was some, you know, you could go drive to the farm and get them and they would literally be lines of cars. So I learned at what time I need to show up like two hours before they open. And one time I brought my son, Jonathan, who was going to FAU at the time. And I was like, Hey, I need you to hold the bag. I'm going to grab the mangoes. Don't argue. Don't say a word to anyone. This is we're on a mission. <laughs> like, he's like, is this a war? It's like, Oh yeah, you got to get the best mangoes. And uh, yeah, I totally appreciate that. But I've been known to eat quite a few in one setting by myself. So oh yeah, I, I can appreciate that. <laughs> oh yeah. I could do three at any point in time. Oh, no problem. Three? You're as easy. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> of course we both know Cyrus and I'm sure Cyrus could down 12 by himself. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, excellent. And then, so moving into, um, I, I want to definitely obviously talk about the plant strong foods and that whole journey. Cause that's, that's quite a, a challenge being an entrepreneur. I totally can appreciate the pain and scariness and yes. <laughs> walking out onto the limb of the unknown, just believing that there's going to be the next step available and it'll divine wisdom will come. <laughs> this is my mantra. Um, you were speaking at the end of Rich's interview that he, ha that he published recently. And um, it really struck to me that you had mentioned, you know, stories that people were sharing and, your retreats in Arizona, and that you happened to pass across one of the folks who worked there, and she was kind of a spiritual person doing different things. Um, but you mentioned, she mentioned to you that we choose our parents, and to, we choose them to help them teach us what we're supposed to learn in this life. And I always thinking to myself, like, God, Lori, why did you choose your parents? But then I was like, you know, I, then I came up with like, makes a reasonable answer when you start thinking about what would be the reason you chose your most amazing family. Um, I, I just want to know. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's a loaded question. You know, I could say, I could say I chose them, you know, because I wanted to carry on the legacy that my father started. Right. And, and, and that certainly, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's just weird to me how all the dots have connected and the doors have opened and the universe has kind of created this path for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing is, you know, as any father and son or father and mother, you know, just like working on stuff, right? that you have between yourselves and you maybe even your siblings and um, and what lessons are there that we can learn about that, about ego, about, um, you know, surrendering, 
um, understanding, compassion, um, patience, uh, all those things, especially as you said, you know, kind of in the opening, when you are the, the son of this lineage of very, very, you know, successful people, right? And how, and how does that shape you? And do you either, you know, do you either respond or do you crumble? <laughs> right? right. That's a lot to burden. That's a, that's a heavy load. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, to be quite honest with you, I, I haven't thought about it more than the, you know, 45 seconds in which you've asked me, but <laughs> off the top of my head, I would say that, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot there. And, uh, you know, I think we probably choose our parents for on a multitude of levels and, uh, man, I'm, I'm glad I did what I'm glad I picked the parents that I picked. Yeah, no, I, you know, cause, uh, after seeing, you know, I've been a physician for 20, 20 years, you hear stories and patients are very vulnerable and tell you things that they've not ever told anyone else. And, um, I've been told to have a face that makes people cry. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> you know. Um, and I, as I sat there and think, because I mean, like I mentioned on your podcast when you interviewed, I, I had a very difficult childhood, and, um, and I sit there thinking, wow, what kid did I learn? That's a really good way to sit. It's like, what am I here to learn from you? That's a great way to enter into that type of yeah. thinking. And I really believe that without suffering, you can't learn compassion, and that's what I came with there's much many many other things <laughs> to do but i really think without the suffering you can't have the compassion or at least be a, a you know aware of it um or going to walk through the fire you will definitely um come out a different person so mm-hmm. i think that was such a brilliant question um how that lady put it to you is like how you choose your parents and then you know learn about yourself and dig in because yeah. that kind of is kind of the segue to you know, your <laughs> evolution with the engine two, and then it turns into plant strong. Could, could you just kind of give us a synopsis of that? Because that is just, it's the journey of that just uh, blows my mind personally. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm trying to, let me think how to, how to, how to re, re uh, <clears throat> replay this here. Uh, yeah. So kind of the reader's digest version is, uh, John Mackey, the CEO of Whole Foods, read my first book, The Engine 2 Diet, was enamored with it. I think loved the ethos of it and the energy of it. And uh, after several different you know, meals together, invited me to come be a healthy eating partner with Whole Food Market Stores. And um, I've been a firefighter 12 years, but I saw this as a truly a once in a lifetime opportunity to take helping people and saving lives to a whole nother level. So uh, after a lot of thought, I decided that um, I'd be a fool not to, not to take this opportunity. So I retired from firefighting. I came on board with Whole Foods. And for 10 years, from 2010 to 2020, I went around spreading the plant strong gospel, right? About, uh, you know, how to eat and why and how to do it. And led, um, did weekend retreats, did the seven day medical immersion programs for Whole Foods unhealthiest team members, did a line of products that carried all the engine two criteria when it came to salt, sugar, fat, um, being hundred percent plant-based, 
uh, all that. And it was just, it was really, I mean, you talk about being thrown into the fire <laughs> and, and like sinking or swimming. I mean, wow. I mean, I went from being an athlete to a firefighter to now like being a, an author, a speaker, you know, a food guy running events, immersions. And, uh, so I have, what a gift that, that John gave me to just like, yeah, man, you know, do what you want to want to do in this environment and make it happen. Right. Really, really hands off. It was, it was remarkable. And then that relationship with Whole Foods, that was a 10-year relationship. And so that came to a close in January of 2020. And, um, and so I've carried on with the events and the immersion programs. Um, you know, we're doing two live events this year, one in Black Mountain that's going to happen here March 1st to the 6th, and then one in Sedona, Magical Sedona in October. Um, but I, I have also, I was like, God, you know, was doing food for 10 years and I just don't want to let it just go. Um, you know, so I formed a team. I did a, a raise of um, a fair amount of money and uh, totally pivoted from engine two to plant strong. Here's like a little bit of packaging from the Rips Big Bowl cereal. You can see I, I ate this thing. Uh, the other day. And here's like a broth um, that we have, you know, low sodium broth. It's got five milligrams of sodium, no, 20 milligrams of sodium per serving, you know, most are wow. a ton of that, a ton. And this is like a white bean, creamy chili that's got mm. 260 milligrams of sodium per serving. So um, we just, and we got pizza crust kits and we've got popcorn and we now have a a very robust direct to consumer business D to C. Um, and then we also are in whole foods with our broths and our chilies and our stews, whole foods globally. And we're going into other grocery stores as we speak. Um, but it's been, it has truly been the most challenging, difficult thing I've ever done is trying to launch a food line without the support of whole foods, right? Wow. When you have the whole foods infrastructure <laughs> in place, and they, right. they, you know, and they know how to do food and they've got the, the lawyers, the graphic design, they've got, you know, the, um, the people that go out and meet all the supplier partners and manufacturers. And now I'm having to basically either do it myself or hire people to do it. And um, wow. So food is hard. It's really, really hard. Um, but at the end of the day, it's been incredibly gratifying. And we, I finally feel like I'm now two years in of being gone from Whole Foods. I'm at the starting line to like start to play ball um, in this space. Um, but, you know, our, our, our goal, our goal with Plan Strong was is really it's, it's to change the American diet for good. Right. Double entendre on good. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> I think we'll start by trying to change the plant-based diet for good, because there's, especially in the, in the um, grocery store with all the new plant-based offerings, most of them are just calorie rich and processed, right? And they're, can, they contain copious amounts of salt, sugar, and fat. And so we really want to, want to differentiate and be the, the cleanest whole food plant-based offerings uh, that are out there.
um, and we think there's a real need for it. And the more sophisticated plant-based, I think, buyer will be very drawn to it. And, and the other thing that we're trying to do is we're that nexus of where healthy meets tasty and convenience, kind of that three-legged stool is that's where we want to be, right in the bullseye of, of those three things. Um, and, you know, and, and we're not trying to fool anybody. I mean, because we don't use, you know, exorbitant amounts of, we don't use three different types of sugar. We don't use five different types of oil where we don't, um, you know, have a thousand milligrams of sodium, you know, we're not going to be as tasty as, you know, some of these other products. But again, as far as being healthy and mm -hmm. tasty, I don't think you'll find anybody else that, that is as healthy and tasty as we are. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't even consider that food tasty. I consider those hijackers of our taste buds and our yeah. dopamine, right? So I, I, I don't think that's real food. That's kind of like when I had these conversations with patients, like, listen, you don't even know what real food tastes like anymore because those foods yeah. have hijacked your entire brain and system. And you think you're giving up, you know, your life when you can't have these foods. But what, the, what does that mean to you? Think about it. It's just weird talk here. Um, but no, I think this is fabulous for as a physician. It's great to say, take anything off the plant strong yeah. shelf and I, you are good to go. And I remember I've said that multiple times with your products, um, even before, you know, the 2020 and, and yeah. now after you'll be in more stores, which is fantastic. Cause you know, in Western uh, Colorado, um, there was one whole foods <laughs> was like two hours away. So, I mean, we had well, you know, some Walmarts and you could drive another 45 minutes to some of the other bigger stores like Sprouts and stuff. And so it's um, really nice that you're going into other, other uh, food supermarkets. Yeah. What supermarkets can we look for your stuff at? <laughs> so, you know, we've had some really constructive talks with um, the Sprouts buyer. Awesome. So fingers crossed, we'll, we'll get into Sprouts. Uh, Metropolitan, which is kind of located, I think, in the Seattle area. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to be meeting with Kroger. We're going to be meeting with Publix, um, uh, Erewhon, Rayleigh's, Albertsons. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. There's literally hundreds and hundreds of different uh, retail outlets that are out there. But we'll probably start first and foremost kind of with the sweet spot with the natural grocers. So the Whole Foods, the Sprouts, um, the, um, the, the Rayleigh's, the um, Wegmans, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I do want to, I would do want to let your listeners know that, you know, you don't have to buy these products to eat well. This is, you know, as, as you know, right. It's rice and beans, it's potatoes, it's, it's, it's fruit, it's legumes. Um, we just, you know, we know people are busy and, if you want that convenience of something you can just heat and eat, right, or pour and put some plant-based cereal, uh, milk on it, you know, we'll be there for you. But I do, you know, I don't want to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. I mean, we are, we are a premium product, right? And we are premium priced. And, uh, and I just want to reiterate that this does not have to be an expensive way, a lifestyle, not for any second. Um, but what I have learned is that when you don't have the, um, the mother load of whole foods behind you, 
and you're not able to, you know, do those kinds of minimum order quantities when you have to actually insert margin because you are a business. Uh, it is, it's unfortunate how high food prices have to be. But if you want to have a viable business, it's kind of like, this is what we have to do. So that being said, I do appreciate anyone and everyone that does buy the food. It means a great deal to us. And uh, it will hopefully allow us to continue to, to grow, bring prices down and offer you know, more and more different um, Plant Strong products. I mean, I think you bring to point many really important factors with food manufacturing. So when you manufacture the food, they put in an order. These are not just small quantities. These are large quantities of food and you don't collect until much later, correct? As far as payment from yeah. these, uh, the amount of money and stress and logistics makes me want to cry for you. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I will. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, well, this uh, is why this is why it's yeah. so important to get good people that you know have industry experience, mm. um, and they can give you adult supervision. Right? <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, that's always always helpful. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. I totally appreciate that. You know, my uh, Jonathan, my middle one, he kind of is like you. He's like the thought of working for the man makes him cringe and he's he graduated with a marketing degree and so he's working he's doing patient procurement for a dental agency here in the local denver area and uh he and his brother well he launched he spent i don't know six eight months about a tea company so they call it kind teas and oh, yeah. so they're working on you know getting some sales getting some traction they're building new products and you know him trying to find a manufacturer to work with a small and i'm just like go to it, man. I'll give you some money. Here you go. <laughs> Don't ask me to help because it just sounds like a nightmare. And that's just, a, just tea, <laughs> you know, the packaging, the, all the whole thing. And he's just like, mom, we have to stay online. Cause he's teaching me all these things that you're living. And, uh, I'm just like, mm -mm, that's, that's incredible. It's, I, yeah. I just, well, physical yeah. product. Well, wow. yeah. And, and then the fact that, you know, we're just, we're not procuring an existing product and then slapping our label on it. We're right. having, we're having to go to very innovative out of the box manufacturing partners wow. and tell them, this is our criteria. This is what we want you to source. And they're like, can't do it. Or they're yeah. like, okay, we can do it. But you know, this is going to take us eight months to source these ingredients with yeah. everything that's going on right now because of covid and other things we have every everybody's having supply chain issues you know we're 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 you know we've been waiting for one of the ingredients in our rips big bowl cereal now for over half a year and uh so the stresses and the headaches and the different fires that you have to put out are never ending day to day to day yeah it's almost like you're like you wake up in the morning i can appreciate this you're just like do I want to open my email box today? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Do I really want to deal with but whatever what it, else is going but on? What is, what, is, what, is, what, what, what has been really eye-opening for me is when, you know, I'll pick up my daughter or, you know, get home with my wife, Jill, and it's like, they're complaining about whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, that is like, so nothing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh it, my put, gosh. It, it, help, it, help, it helps. Um, 
<laughs> because you know now I stuff washes over me much oh. easier now, oh. right? It, yeah, I of, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I tease my husband, like, listen, I always tell my patients men live longer because of their wives, but <laughs> I don't nag because I don't have energy. Honestly, it's all good. <laughs> but my husband, you know, he works, he's an engineer. He's a, he was a also military, did all this stuff. And now his big thing is pickleball. He goes, yeah, I got to play pickleball. I'm my partner and he was off today. And I'm like, hmm, oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's really rough. Meanwhile, <laughs> On the other side, we're dealing with growing a national cell medicine company. Yay. I, all right. You know, I, I, and oh, Lord. <laughs> I, I will say, I will say that I love pickleball. Oh, and, pickleball. And, wow. That is so fun. Uh, mm. It's five days a week with that man. And I'm just sitting here going, honestly, you go for it. Whatever makes him happy at this point. I'm, he's put me through medical school. <laughs> he, he drove all those miles while I, I mean, um, I'm happy to whatever I can do to, to, Beautiful. to make him happy. He really, I mean, we'll be 29 years in April yeah. married. And um, he was actually, you know, met when I was 19, first boyfriend, had our first baby by 23. We've been through back. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, God help him. I know why the universe put him with me because nobody else on this earth would dealt with me. <laughs> I can appreciate you. And uh, Jill sounds like she was your match as well for that. <laughs> Oh yes, but she also she also doesn't put up with much either. <laughs> well, you know that's good. Pat just Pat's like Pat. My children um, definitely take after him. They're both they're all just kind of chill, easy going, and I'm like, oh. let's go. You know, it's like, right. yeah, it's nice. It's real nice. But oh my goodness, this is fabulous. So we can learn more. Not only that, your wonderful podcast, mm -hmm. which, you, podcast. which you were just on. Oh, Rip! If I could tell you. And, well, the I, wonderful, could, happy could, repercussions that would come from that for us. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. If I could tell you how many people just have commented to me. Oh my God. I loved Lori. Oh my God. She's such a gem. Oh my gosh. Thank you for, you know, having her oh, on, you know, thank, thank you, you Lori for the service that you're providing with plant-based telehealth. Um, mm. People loved you. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, I, I, I can't even tell you, it just, it means the world to us that we have our friends that will support us. And then we can return that favor by you guys, you know, if we want the whole food plant-based movement to move forward, not just vegan or plant foods that we all know are unhealthy, we have to support these companies like yours and people don't know how to cook. They're crunched in time. Yes, it's a premium, but guess what? You're either going to pay for the food or you're going to pay with your chronic disease later. This is a really simple thing. So I say put your money where your mouth is and support the companies like yourself. And they can also order online, right? At plantstrongfoods.com. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's probably the easiest way for most people. And, and But we will be constantly um, on plantstrongfoods.com, putting the different retailers that we are going into. So. Oh, I, I am so excited. I can't wait to see how you grow and to just be the biggest supporter we can. We'll definitely be sending more patients your way and mm. um, reaching out and seeing what we can do to, uh, to further collaborate with that. It'll be fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I, I know I promised an hour and you got kids to pick up and dinners to make and all that lovely stuff. So thank you again. I'm sure my audience is going to be truly blessed by our conversation. So thank oh, you so much. Listen, it was 
it was a lot of fun and uh you asked a lot of great questions yeah, <laughs> yeah right. oh, i appreciate that i try to make it a little different but still you know where people can learn and uh you there's so much more to your story and things that we didn't even have time to connect with yeah i i do appreciate we'll do it again. so much we'll do it again oh oh now it's on audio and it has been recorded. <laughs> so that's a definite, I'm going to book it now. Um, but no, thank you so much, Rip, again. And, you know, thank you for your family for taking time away from them to come talk to us. I really appreciate that as well. Thanks for watching. And I hope you enjoyed that video. Before you go, though, please hit the subscribe button and the alert button so you will be notified whenever we upload any new videos. On Monday, we upload the Healthy Human Revolution podcast. Now, if you'd rather listen to the podcast, you can find it on all the major platforms such as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and even Spotify. Now, if you're looking for more resources on how to start a plant-based diet, sustain a plant-based diet, exercise, recipes, anything regarding wellness, we've got you covered. Check out HealthyHumanRevolution.com. And again, thanks for watching.